Transformation Intensive, Movement One, Week Six, Prodigal Sons and Daughters. Oh, wonder where that's going. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced by now that some weeks in TI, the material is relatively easy to step into, and other times it might be a little bit more challenging for you to, to really get into it. This past week, when we were reflecting and paying attention to the disorder of sin in the world, it would have certainly been easy to have good examples, right? Um, all you have to do is listen to the radio, watch the TV news, browse the internet, land on a few Facebook pages. There's plenty of examples <laughs> of, of the disorder of sin in the world. But one thing that it, it does uh, give you, it gives you a long list of things to pray for. So what we're going to do this evening is I'm going to start out with a, with a prayer. Um, it's very straightforward. I'm going to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and then one of those domains. And when I say the domain, then just think back over your week of, of examples of, of things that came to your mind that, that fall under that area and hold them up to God. Or maybe it's just something that comes to you spontaneously even this evening that you didn't even think about before. But for every one of these things, just take about 15 seconds uh, and hold up uh, a, a cry to God for our world and all the other places. So let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our nation. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our state. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our city. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my neighborhood. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my place of employment.
thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my church. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my home. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me. Amen. Now just take a second. No, go back. <laughs> and scan up and down in that list. And just, just notice which ones of those areas was most easy for you to, to have things cry out to God for. Just pay attention to what caught your attention, basically. And I'll suggest that you may want to go back there this week. It might just be God's asking you to pray deeply for that, but there might even be more. It might be an invitation for you to do something in that area, whatever it might be. So just pay attention to what caught your attention. I said earlier that it's kind of easy to look at the sin and disorder in the world, and it is as long as you keep it out there, as long as it's the other countries, or the other people groups, or the other nations. But when you let it start getting close, you recognize that we are all part of the world in our nation and our state and community, so we are part of the problem. And spoiler alert, this is where we're going to go for the next couple weeks. In me. Now, before Val comes up and outlines the material, I have a few, what do they call them on the, oh, lifelines? Where you want to be a millionaire? You, I, I want to give you some lifelines for the next couple weeks. That's what I want to do in case of emergency. And to do that, I want to go back to something that George shared clear back in boot camp, this cross chart. Because what I realized, next one please, is, you know, I called George up. Or no, he called me up. But I was telling him, this is so exciting, George. Did you realize that the first four weeks of TI we kind of push people up this line to, to recognize how big God is and how much he loves us and, and how, how he created the whole, whole world for us. And then the next few weeks, we push people down <laughs> the growing awareness of their sinfulness, you know, the, the disorder and sin of the world and, and the prodigal sons and daughters. I said, George, this is so cool. Did you see this? And he said, yeah. <laughs> he said, didn't you hear me say that in boot camp? And I said, no. So I guess, so I'm repeating exactly what George says. Um, 
But this gets uncomfortable. In fact, one God-fearer ended up saying, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live with a people of unclean lips. And just a few verses earlier, he saw the, and his eyes had seen the king and the Lord of hosts. He saw this gap that he knew he had nothing available to fill it with. And his response was, woe is me. He was probably on his face about now, by the way. We also saw in the movie, Ignatius himself, when he started getting a grasp of this, he hurt himself. It's the only thing that he knew that he could do to, to, to cry out to God and say, this is, this is stuck. I'm, I'm, I'm ruined. So, the lifeline I want to give you is just to remember that it doesn't end here. As uncomfortable as this is, it ends well. So I have these cards. Uh, I'll probably pass them out after Val comes up. But uh, it's, it's on both sides, there's just some very concise ways of remembering the gospel or the good news. One of them is from the Heidelberg Catechism. We're going to borrow from a different tradition. This is this is probably the best summary of, of the good news of the gospel that I've ever come across. It starts out, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And you say, I don't know, but tell me. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what my only comfort is in life and in death. And it says that I am not my own, but belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's on one side, and the other side is a little bit lighter, uh, but it also has some scripture references. So take this card, put it in your journal or in your uh, uh, notebook in case of an emergency. Keep the gospel close. Let me introduce the week of prayer that's ahead for us. We are on page 37 of your Transformation Intensive Notebook, and I would ask you to turn there. I'll be referring to it a little more than usual. Page 37. Uh, this week, we are asking the Holy Spirit to help us see ourselves the way God sees us as deeply loved sinners. In many ways, the first three-ish weeks of Transformation Intensive are really what are sometimes referred to as preparation days, and now we're really getting into the heart of the spiritual exercises. Um, let me begin, actually, by introducing to you a prayer exercise that we will we'll be doing um, so let me give you kind of an outline. I, I begin by suggesting two passages of scripture for you, one of which includes uh, Luke chapter 15, the very familiar story of the prodigal son. So I'm asking you to use the praying with scripture as we have been doing, to pray with that. But then I'm asking you to pray with it again 
going a little bit deeper. And so if you turn to the next page, uh, page 39, you'll see all the instructions. But I want to give you a little suggestion of how this might work uh, for you. So imagine at this point that you are working on the little chart that you see there on the right, um, the parent's perspective and experience. And let me explain to you what you're trying to do as we walk through this. We're asking you actually to engage your imagination as you review, the, as, as you pray with the text. So you're not just like looking for words that stand out to you. We're actually asking you to almost like do some improvisational imaginative work around this. So let me give you an example. Uh, going that first line across with verses 11 and 12. Um, this helps us to take a deep dive into one of the teachings that Jesus thought was important. Um, this is actually quite a long teaching, all things considered, from the Gospel of Luke. It was something that Jesus held up to us because it reveals something to us about the Father's love for us. And so this exercise is designed to help you really get into that place of empathy in the same way that we wanted to have some sense of God's heart for the world when we looked at the suffering in the world. Now we want a sense of God's heart and empathy with God in regard to his love for individuals, especially for those who sin. And there are, of course, two kinds of sinners in this particular story. There's the older brother and the younger brother, who both have different expressions. So this is how this works, how you begin to pray with this. Uh, we begin with just two verses here, verses 11 and 12. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So this is just a very short uh, snippet of scripture. And what I want you to do is to use your imagination to begin to explore this using these prompts. So the first question is, what do I know? At this point, we're praying from the parent's perspective. So you have to pretend that you are the parent in this story at this moment. So if you are the parent and this is happening to you, what do you know? These are the things that I wrote down like, what, 20 minutes before we met tonight using my own imagination. What do I know? I know my son wants to leave home. I don't understand why I am respecting his request. That's just what I wrote down. That's, as the father, that's what I know so far given verses 11 and 12. The next prompt, how do I feel? I am afraid and hurt. I am not sure how this will all turn out. So don't give yourself the benefit of like, well, I do know how this story is going to end. Just pretend that you're right there, right in that moment. And this is all you know right now. It's just that your son has asked for his part of the inheritance. That's all you know. Just limit yourself to that moment. The next prompt is, what do I want to say? This is what I wrote. Son, I love you. I will always be here for you. 
I want to hug him and not let him go. Then who is God to me? I don't know yet. I know God is with me. I'm counting on him to get me through this. The next question, who am I to God? I am God's face right now. The only thing my son knows about God right now is what he sees in my face. Those were just the things that came to mind. There are no right answers here. Um, There are no wrong answers. This is just really what comes up spontaneously um, from your heart. Uh, it It was interesting. I, of course, was thinking about my own daughter. You know, what would happen if she said that to me right now? And um, when I wrote the words, I want to hug him and not let him go, I got like kind of teary. Like I feel teary even now just talking about it. You, you want to get, you want to tap into that emotional, affective part here. So this is not an analysis. You want to be paying attention to your feelings as you feel empathy with the parent in this situation. So you continue working through the story a few verses at a time. First from the parent's perspective then from the perspective of the older son and then and the younger son. So take your time with this. I hope you find it um, just really meaningful. All right, the next thing I want to highlight for you is William Berry's book, um, Chapter 3. You'll notice we're going out of order. We did Chapter 4 last week. We're going to uh, the third chapter this time. Um, I love the way he begins with Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's really what we're doing. We're actually asking the Lord to uh, search our hearts. I think the most important that he, point that he brings up here at the beginning of his chapter is that he says you can't really have a, a really honest conversation with someone until you've built some trust. So our hope is that as you've been growing in your experience of the love of God, that you, you feel loved enough to let the Lord maybe challenge you or show you things that are uncomfortable. I also love his chapter, How Do We Invite God to Show Us Our Sin? This makes it a little bit different than um, anyone familiar with 12-step programs, uh, with AA. Uh, The fourth step in the 12-step program, which is an addiction recovery, is called a fearless moral inventory. And there is a way in which the work that we're doing in the next couple of weeks is like that. It is like a a fearless moral inventory. I actually like that because they use the word fearless. And we can be fearless because we know we are deeply, deeply loved by God. But it's also a little bit different in that our main work here is not so much self-examination where you kind of, you know, put yourself on the dissecting table and try to figure out what's there. It's not actually completely up to you to figure this out. 
The main idea here is to really open yourself up lovingly, to let God gently confront you with uh, your sin. So let me tell you how this might work. Um, you may say, you know, I really don't need any revelation here. <laughs> like, my sin is ever before me. Um, that, that's good. We bring that. If there's anything there where you feel like you haven't received the forgiveness of God, this is a really important time to notice that. Like, I'm still stuck on this, uh, this thing that happened when I was in college, or, you know, I'm still stuck. I haven't received the forgiveness of God. That's important. You know it's right there. But uh, more importantly is that revelation involves this sudden awareness of some sin, past or present, that we genuinely overlooked. You wouldn't even notice it if the Holy Spirit didn't show light, shine light upon uh, your awareness. Um, the Apostle Paul sometimes refers mysteriously to this gift of repentance. And it's because it's an action of the Holy Spirit that all of a sudden we, we have an awareness of sin that we just completely overlooked apart from that revelation. Um, the second is the gift of actually being an emotionally connected to our sin. Um, I think one of the ways that we defend against our sin is to kind of be really matter-of-fact about it. Um, almost like, ah, it doesn't really bother me. I know I've been forgiven. You know, it's, it's over. It's past. But sometimes we're not actually emotionally connected. So when you're given a gift of, of tears, of remorse, this is not about you drumming something up. This is about it coming to you as a gift. Let me give you an example of an experience I had of this, and, and remember always that this is not like unique to the spiritual exercises. These are like common experiences of the Christian who is open to God. So some of you may know I was involved in a very messy church conflict at Church of the Resurrection maybe 15 years ago. There's actually a video out on it. Uh, we did a, um, uh, an event at Wheaton College, and uh, Father William Beasley and Stuart Ruck and I like sat in front of an auditorium of people and told the story of how we sinned against one another and how we worked through our reconciliation. Um, we might find a link and send it to you in case you're interested. Maybe if you watch the three of us confessing our sins, it will inspire you also to uh, confess your own sins and to be open. But I had this very uh, interesting experience. This, so this is maybe, maybe 15 years ago uh, when I'm in the middle of this you know, I, I am sort of in the, in the center of what's going on. I'm not one of the main players. I'm kind of the second rung out. And there was a certain point at which um, we ganged up on Father William Beasley. And, uh, you know, we're talking about him behind his back. We're analyzing him. We're, we're like, diagnosing him, all these kinds of things. And um, I, real, I participated in that. This is actually quite grievous. Like, so he's my pastor. He's my prayer partner. I was in a prayer cell with him for um, several years. Um, he trusted me. I trusted him. But I, 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 was, I was a part of all that. Uh, and at the time, it was, um, I don't know. It's just if you've ever been caught up in a church conflict, it just seemed normal. You know, I, I felt kind of like, wow, we've really got the insight, you know. So a few years had passed, 
Um, William had gone up to the North Shore to plant another church. Um, I had not been in conversation with him. And um, I was praying one day, and it just like hit me with a ton of bricks how I had sinned against him. By thinking it, I had like a very clear memory of being in his living room, and I knew all this was going on, and I could have warned him, you know, William, you've got a big problem, you know, uh, uh, you know, get ready. I could have warned him, and I just kind of like mm, zipped my lips and pretended like nothing was happening. And I participated in that, and all of a sudden, I was given this gift of tears. Now, I am not a crier, okay? For me, this was a huge deal. And it was not something I was looking for. I wasn't trying to beat myself up. But all of a sudden, I was given this softness, this contrition, where I saw, oh my gosh, I have sinned against my pastor and my friend. And I tell you, there was no going back. You know, I had to like, I had to work that out. I had to go visit him. I had to ask his forgiveness. But I don't think I would have seen that just based on logic or self-analysis. It really came as a gift from the Holy Spirit. So if something like that happens to you, don't beat yourself up. Be like, praise the Lord. I'm receiving the grace that I'm asking for. I'm, a, I'm receiving the gift of sorrow for my sins. Uh, we don't have the power to create that contrition. It's a gift from God. All right, one reading I want to bring to your attention. This is um, in the article section on page 32. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to right now. It's an excerpt from St. Augustine's prayer book. Uh, this is actually an Anglican prayer resource. Um, it's a collection of prayer resources for Anglicans. And it's a, uh, a list, really, of descriptions of the seven deadly sins and all kinds of, like, sub-sins underneath the seven de deadly sins. What it helps us do is to focus on attitudinal patterns that lead to sinful actions. So one of the problems we have with dealing with our sin is that we look at all the little actions, but we don't look at sort of the sin behind the sin. They're really attitudinal patterns. So this will give you some language for that. Um, and then also, if you have time, you can begin to pray chronologically through your life story, and that's um, just part of the instructions um, for this week. You'll have next week, so don't feel like you've got to do all of this, which um, uh, just is important. There's actually more here. Like, you could go on a retreat, like a three-day retreat, and work on this. Like, you could pray seven hours a day on this, so you're probably not going to get through all of it. It's really important that where, wherever you're really connecting with the Lord, stay there. If that imaginative exercise of praying with the prodigal son is just like really bringing you close to the Lord, stay there. Don't like rush through it so you can get on to read St. Augustine's prayer book or read the chapter from Barry. You know, stay, stay where the fruit is. Uh, the other practical thing at this point is just to watch out for um, avoidance of prayer and a resistance towards prayer. Um, one of my mentors said uh, resistance is an indicator that something's wanting to grow in us. So if you find yourself like making more excuses than usual to not pray or to not go there or to be cynical or whatever your defenses are, just pay attention to that and say, Lord, I'm so defensive. 
what is it that's wanting to grow in me right now? Use the resistance as actually a pointer to pay more attention. Um, it's, it's just critically important that we believe and that we experience in our hearts that God loves us before we sin, while we sin, after we sin. He loves us before we repent. He loves us before we say, I'm sorry. And these exercises are designed to help you get more in touch with that sense of God's love for you, for who you are. Created, yes, with original splendor, but falling so far short of that. If we were doing the spiritual exercises away in a retreat center for 30 days, part of our regular routine would be that we would go and have communion every day. We would be remembering every day that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We would be confessing our sins, we would be receiving the grace of God. Um, so even though in all of this um, talk about sin, we're not necessarily stressing the atonement for sin, like you'll notice that there are no passages of scripture on that, it's not that we're avoiding it, it's actually we're counting on it, <laughs> um, we're assuming on it, um, that it's there. So I do want to just make known to you, one, be sure you go to church. Like, this is not a good time to skip communion. Um, and also, if for some reason you feel like you would uh, like to receive communion more frequently, uh, 7 a.m. every weekday in All Saints Chapel, you can receive communion. You just have to get up early and come in your pajamas or whatever and uh, receive communion. So, all right, I'm going to introduce to you now Cecilia Whitaker. And if you would, as she's uh, coming up, um, turn to your prayer resource section, uh, page uh, 15, the interactive gratitude exercise. Um, Cecilia actually teaches a whole, is it an eight-week course on this? Yeah, it's an eight-week course she taught this summer. Hopefully she'll teach it again, um, based on a book called Joyful Journey. And she's going to introduce... Uh, a prayer exercise that uh, you'll, we'll practice tonight, and then I'd suggest you actually share it with each other in your small groups, um, and you may find you don't have time for your usual weekly check-in. Um, this may really give you some really good stuff to help you with your, uh, your small group. Um, and then this will become an exercise that you can always go back to. So from here on out, um, if this exercise works for you, please please use it uh, any any time it's appropriate for any season of the spiritual exercises, of transformation intensive, I should say. All right. All right. Well, hello. Good evening. I'm just really excited to be here. I think I know a lot of you, but I don't know everybody here. Do I need to talk into this? I'm not too good at that. <laughs> So first, I just wanted to thank Val for inviting me to come tonight. Uh, this practice has been uh, very monumental in my life, so I'm always happy to come and chat about it and talk about it. Um, and I also just want to commend all of you for just being here and doing uh, TI. It is um, just a wonderful program that Val and many others have developed, and I just commend you for 
your sacrifice of time and your desire to grow and learn. And um, so it's just a wonderful thing to see so many of you here. So Val told me I had 30 minutes, so I'm going to watch the clock. Okay, good. Um, and I was thinking uh, it takes us about a good 20, 25 minutes to go through the exercise, so that leaves me about five minutes to talk, which is probably a good thing, um, just because obviously hearing from the Lord is much better than listening to me jabber on. Um, there were many things when I was thinking about, oh, what can I talk about in five minutes that I would love to share. I'd love to share just a little bit more about my story, my journey, how the Lord has met me and healed me and continues to, obviously, not done yet. Um, and just how I came across this practice, um, it was in a very traumatic season of my life, and um, the materials from Life Model Works, where this comes from, and the Connexus classes, which we do here, they're um, restarting, belonging, informing, and Emmanuel Prayer, and all of those things kind of came out of this ministry. And just, I stumbled on them, or not, I shouldn't say I stumbled on them, the Lord gently guided me to them uh, during really traumatic time in my life. And so I'm really grateful for um, all of those. And again, I could talk on and on and on about all the good things the Lord has done and how he's used uh, this, this practice and many others. Um, I could also talk a lot about the um, theories behind what you're going to do tonight. It's a very simple practice on, on the front, uh, just looking at it. But there's actually a lot of science behind it. There's a lot of... Um, neuroscience and um, brain information about what happens in our brain with gratitude and we've got this prefrontal cortex and um, that's the place where our what we call our relational circuits are and um, gratitude actually helps open that up and so there's all kinds of really cool brain science too that we've learned in the last couple of decades that uh, not that we need to know that but it's kind of I just kind of thought it was it's fun to know um, so there's a very much intentionality in some of these steps that we're going to walk you through. Um, they are, uh, some of it's from Dr. Carl Lehman's research on the pain processing pathway and the different steps that our brain, our brain needs to go through to heal, um, which comes from attachment and attunement and bonding and all kinds of good stuff. So again, I could talk on and on and on about that, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, one thing I will say is this little book, it's called Joyful Journey, and I think it's cited at the bottom of your sheets, goes into all of that. It goes into the scriptural uh, backing of this little prayer. Uh, it goes into the neuroscience and the brain uh, neurology stuff. Um, and it also interweaves the story of Hagar, which I'll do a little bit tonight, um, very beautifully into these steps. So, um, I don't think I'm going to take up much time talking about anything else. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read just a few excerpts from the book, and then I'm going to guide us through um, the practice itself. So, Emmanuel journaling is a simple method for improving our awareness of God's presence in both our thoughts and lives. And, of course, there's many reasons to improve our awareness of God's active presence, um, the best reason is the guidance and the friendship that we receive uh, from connecting with God in this way. So these principles involved um, are using biblical truths relating to God and neuroscience, like I said, to improve our awareness and our more mindful attachment with God can lead to clear knowledge of who we are. And so a lot of this research has shown that 
who we are attached to, and that's kind of a psychology word, is who we follow and who we love and who loves us and where our identity comes from. So we've spent a lot of years um, doing different discipleship models and obedience and you know willpower and getting a lot of good information and all those things have their place and they're great, but what science has discovered, like with parenting and um, all those good things, that this idea of bonding and attachment is really, is really key. You know, who loves us and who we love. Um, so interacting with God is a simple idea, um, but often, if you're like me, we can struggle with that. Um, I know for me, uh, one of the things that was really helpful with this is that um, I have one of those, I don't know, what are they? Is it Merton that calls it the monkey mind, where you know I sit down to have my prayer time and my mind's jumping all over the place? Or I think somebody else defined it as two highly caffeinated chihuahuas, like chasing. That's what my brain feels like a lot when I sit down. So having these kind of structures when I'm journaling that gives me a little bit of an outline I have found really helpful. Um, so that when I'm doing my prayers and my mind's over here and it wanders, I'm like, what was I doing? I'm like, oh, yeah. Here's what I'm doing, and it's a, just a great little template to kind of bring my thoughts back and help me center um, with the Lord again. So this um, practice has seven steps, um, and I'm going to walk you through each of them, but I just want to give you just a little snippet so you know ahead of time. Uh, the first one is called interactive gratitude. And so I love that Ignatian also talks about this and in his examine, you know, that's part of that is this idea of stopping and thinking about our day and the things that we're grateful for. Um, and again, like I said, the neuroscience behind this is just fascinating. So often when we are not able to feel the Lord's presence, if we can start to feel gratitude, that can actually help us to connect to the Lord. It's an indirect way we can, we can connect with him because we know all good things come from the Lord. So... It's just a great way to start. Um, the difference with this is that it's interactive and in that we are going to be doing it in a conversational way. So when we stop, we'll stop for a minute um, to pray and just ask the Lord to bring something to mind that we're feeling grateful for. And then we'll just stop and express our gratitude to God as if we're talking directly to him. Um, so for me, this was a new thing. I, I didn't grow up learning how to talk to God or how to hear from God. Um, so I'm not sure where everybody is on that journey. It took me a few years to kind of work through, does God speak? And when he speaks, is that his voice or my voice? And uh, so this practice has been really helpful for that. Uh, the second part of the interactive gratitude is we stop and listen then for God's response. So I don't know about you, but a lot of my prayers tended to be one-sided with me talking at God. And I would often not always intentionally, just forget to listen for his response. So this is kind of built into this prayer, which is very beautiful. And again, I'll walk you through that. And then the second part has these five steps, and we call them thought rhyming. And so it's a way for us, again, to get in touch with God. And I love the posture that Ignatian talks about as we look at God, looking at us. And it's kind of similar to that in that we ask God to help us to see how he sees us. And then we listen, and we, we listen for, God, what do you hear? What is he hearing us say? Uh, and then we go through the rest of the steps. So I'm going to stop chattering, and I'm going to actually walk us through, and I don't want you to worry about it because I'm going to walk you through each of these steps. Um, if you do have your journal and your pen, that's great. 
Writing can be very helpful, again, um, especially if you've got a mind like mine that wanders. And I'm going to encourage you also as you do this exercise to just come with a childlike faith. Um, I know for me when I first started I was always worried about I'm going to hear it wrong or that's not God or is that me. And so the great thing about this is to just to kind of let it flow and then at the end we go back and we can test. And then I think Val's given you a sheet here too that talks about some guardrails, you know, to kind of go, okay, did this sound like something God might say? And I think you'll have a little bit of time to do that also in your group, so. All right. So I'm going to invite you. You've got your journals ready. I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. Just to begin, I think it's always great just to begin by noticing your breath. Maybe even taking a few deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth if you're able. We know that every good gift or every good gift is from the Lord and even our breath is from him. So as you're breathing, just notice your breath, notice where you feel it the most in your body. can help us quiet, helps us to become present. And also just notice how your body's feeling tonight. Maybe do a quick scan from the top of your head down to your toes. Not trying to fix anything, just noticing how your body's feeling. There's a little bit of tension. You might just breathe into that space. I'm just trying to relax as much as you're able. And I'll invite you just to notice how you are tonight, how you're coming emotionally. How would you describe your overall mood tonight? start with a simple prayer, a prayer for listening. Lord, we gather this evening as openly and as honestly as we are presently able for these moments that are sanctified for listening. May we be blessed to know the goodness of godly company, the pace of grace leading us gently and the life of your refreshing spirit hovering over the face of the waters of our lives, ready and willing to bring forth new life, even in the formless and void places of our hearts, communities, and homes. Enable us to trust your spirit among us as we are present to you and to one another. For we are gathered in your strong name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Now, I just invite you to silently pray and just to ask the Spirit to help you remember a moment of gratitude. Just kind of look around and see if there's something that in this moment you are feeling grateful for. Often we can list several things from our left brain, make a list, but what we're looking for tonight is something that you actually feel. It doesn't have to be anything big. It could just be you're glad to be here, you're grateful you got here. Maybe you're just grateful for your breath tonight, or for the quiet, for the fall season. Allow the feelings of gratitude to fill you. Maybe notice why you're grateful for this. Might be a person, might be something that happened, a way the Lord provided. And if it's difficult to feel gratitude, which happens often, sometimes we're just tired, we just start there by letting the Lord know our difficulty and asking him to help us. God meets us where we are. And so now I'm going to invite you, if there was something that came to mind that you're grateful for, I invite you to write in your journals your gratitude. And you're going to write in a conversational manner as if you were talking to God, just thanking him for whatever it is that you are feeling grateful for. So it could just sound like, dear God, I am thankful for, you know, just kind of fill in the blank there. You might find it's more than one thing, and that's wonderful. Sometimes if we haven't done this for a while, we might have a long list of things we're thanking the Lord for.
And I'm going to move on to the next step, but don't worry if you are still writing. Just keep writing. You'll, you'll catch on. It's not, not real complicated. I just want to make sure we're mindful of the time. So the next step is God's response to our gratitude. Once you've written down your thanksgiving, we pause for a moment to reflect on what you wrote. I always really recommend just even rereading it. Um, and then we ask the Lord what he would say in response to our gratitude. So we begin writing, but we don't filter our thoughts. We just start writing and allow the spirit of God to lead you. Focus on putting down what you sense about his response to your gratitude. What you write should resemble what a good parent might say to their child after being touched by their children's gratitude. It might sound something like, my dear child, I'm glad that that blessed you. And the next step, it's called, I can hear, I can see you. In Genesis 16, we find Hagar naming God after she was met by the angel of the Lord in the desert. So Hagar is this, the maidservant of Sarah and Abraham, and they were unkind to her, so she runs off into the desert, and the Lord sends an angel. It says in verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Psalm 139.2 says, You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. For this step, we begin writing about our observable actions and surroundings as if God was describing them back to you. It might sound something like, I can see you sitting at the chair. I can see you writing. We also write about our body movements, sensations, physiological responses, and other things uh, that other people might not be able to notice, but that God sees. 
And that might sound something like, I see the heaviness in your heart tonight. I see you holding your breath. I feel and see your excitement. So go ahead and just write for a few minutes as you listen and God shares with you what he sees, what he observes. How does God see you? next step, I can hear you. We're going a little quick, quickly through this tonight, so hopefully maybe you can take some time with it later or during the week. So the next step, I can hear you. In the same story of Hagar, we discover another attribute of God through the naming of her son Ishmael. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your mercy. We don't know exactly what was said, yet it's not difficult to imagine her words of hopelessness and pain, but Hagar is heard by God, who is bigger than her situation or her problems. For this next step of um, the journaling, we write what God is hearing us say out loud as well as what we're thinking internally. Listen as God describes back to you what he hears and write down his description. At this point, we are just allowing God to describe and help us bring our thoughts to the surface. We try not to judge them as good or bad. So just begin writing as God simply says back to you what he hears from your heart, your speech, and your actions.
next step, I can understand how big or important this is to you. In the story of Hagar, again, we may empathize with her pain, knowing her marginalized status as a foreigner and the abandonment she may have felt, or her unfair treatment. But often we minimize our own pain. Often we deny ourselves permission to receive comfort for the seemingly small moments of pain. We minimize our apparently minor trials compared to the perceived bigger challenges of others. Sometimes we do this to ourselves, to others. But God, however, sees, hears, knows, and understands why a particular issue is so important to us. God knows our history. His eyes never leave us, and he knows us even better than we know ourselves. In this third step, we put into words our impression of God's accurate understanding of how important something is to us. It might sound something like, I can see that this is a big deal for you. Or it might sound like, I understand why this is hard. I'm with you. Two more steps. The next one is, I am glad to be with you, and I treat your weakness tenderly. The angel of the Lord found Hagar in the desert as she was running away from her mistress, who was not glad to be with her, and who treated her quite harshly. The angel approached Hagar, showing initiative, which we see so often mirrored with Jesus, like when he initiated conversation with the woman at the well. While no one wanted to interact with these women, and they treated them with contempt, God engaged them in love and treated their weakness tenderly. We think that our sins or weaknesses keep God away from us, that he can't associate with sinners. However, God is always glad to be with us just as we are. Whether we feel connected to God or not, none of our weaknesses keep him away. In this step, you'll write God's confirmation of his love for you by hearing him say, I am glad to be with you, my child. Write what you perceive God might be saying to you in a kind, tender, and loving way.
And our last step, I can do something about what you are going through. We take a look at Hagar's story once more as the angel of the Lord showed Hagar his goodness in her life. In this step of thought rhyming, we write down what God might be saying to us about how he will be with us and help us. We may be reminded of God's faithfulness in the past and given hope of his continuing work in, around, and through us. Scripture quotes sometimes come to mind during this step. All while reminding us of who we are, God invites us to live according to our true heart. Write your impression of what God is offering you. And I'll just close our time with an amen. I'm going to thank the Lord. Thank you. Yeah, so you want to go through whatever. So as you move to your listening groups, you may, uh, I'd encourage you to try reading aloud what you wrote. And then also, some people love this and they get it right away. If you found this more difficult, that's okay. Um, you might want to give it a go two or three more times before you decide it doesn't work for you. Um, but please don't feel bad if this you just didn't connect with this. I think most of you did, but there will be a few that didn't. So um, enjoy your listening groups.